from the land of adventure and diversity. These are the stories of extraordinary Africans, only on Faces of Africa. Research and development is a key element in the identification of the next grapefruit varietal that consumers around the world are likely to consume. Buck Snell is a South African entomologist and zoologist who developed a passion for apple fruit. He travels the world searching for new varietals. This is a bit big bucks apple, just uh, to show you how easy it is to get these, but also how difficult. Here I have a normal gala, and uh, you can see I couldn't have missed it. It is crimson, wine red. Every fruit on the tree has got this same crimson color. Bucks has written a two-part series on apple varietals called Apples in the Early Days of the Cape and The Newcomers and Their Friends. He's also traveled to where apples originated from, Kazakhstan, from a small city called Almamiki. Apples grow wild in Kazakhstan. It's the forests of apples in, in those mountains between Russia in Kazakhstan and between, um, between China and, and Kazakhstan. And they, um, and uh, there they go wild. So it sat there for 65 million years. And that is why it didn't move. In the meantime, people were chopping out the trees on the plains of, um, you still see uh, apple trees on the plains, but they, they're mainly now in the mountains because people couldn't really get there. And they have, in fact, now the 110,000 hectares of apples in the, in the mountains now. It's, they've really preserved it. It started to move only 2,000 years ago, especially the Silk Route came through and that uh, brought the apples into uh, east and west. From Kazakhstan, the apple went into Europe, ended up in places like Portugal and Holland, and the Dutch and the Portuguese came around the and and that's how it arrived here. The first apple seeds, really, just after the settlers, the Dutch settlers settled here, they planted. I think they arrived here in in April. And uh, uh, in the records that in August of that year, they planted apple seeds. Those apple seeds did not grow because later on you see that they said, we replanted the apple seeds. Uh, I think the first really apple trees came in barrels as plants from Holland. And then it was planted here and uh, 
industry started in 1662. Buxnell is True Cape's new varieties consultant. He's helped the development of various apple fruit varieties in South Africa, like the Fuji Royal. Founded in 2001, True Cape is South Africa's biggest distributor of fruit for export. It's harvesting season here at Klein Isel Yacht Farm. For into Javi, for into, for into the trappable income. Come, Jasmine, Fuegel, Fuegel. See, see, masker. Andre exports his produce through True Cape. As you can see, the, the color is all red. On the tree, it's totally it's about first grade. There's no even second grade fruit on the tree. That's the way you want it. First grade on the trees is about, I would say, yeah, 90%, or maybe not more than 90%. So it's excellent. Right. Skull store is very important. You can't pick your crop and, and sell it in two weeks or three months time because you, 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 you are part of the program, export program or packing program over a longer period. That's why you need cold, cold facilities to keep your, 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 your produce fresh as possible and, and withdraw to take it out whenever you need it at the right time at the right quality. My dad's always been wanting to be a farmer since he was young, you know, a little boy. Me coming into the game, it's, it's, been, it's been hard, you know. But slowly but surely I've grown a love for working with people and waking up in the morning. It's just it's fresh, you've got clean oxygen around you. It's, you know, you're, you're free. I always think of, you know, one day putting my dad's shoes is, is one big task at hand. But surely, you know, everything that you go through, you grow through. So slowly but surely, step by step, I think I'm getting there. But yeah, at the same time, I'm still worried. Because you've got to be realistic about the situation. So. Um, the next five years, I know I'm slowly growing into the business, um, I'm taking a bit more responsibility here and there. So hopefully, in a few years' time, ten years' time, I could be running this farm. All right. We really have to look at the youth, you know, because the way I see it, you've got the older generation who wants to farm, but the youth, 
is a bit of a problem. And boosting the youth, I think we have to invest, invest more than that, starting with education, obviously. So agricultural colleges um, would be a start. You know, getting people actually interested in getting a passion for farming would be the biggest or the best step you could take. In the olden days, most of the farmers got their own pack houses. And farmers were, were exported as well. But you, you can't do it anymore, you know. Stick to the guys who know the best, you know, pack house. Be part of that. You get, get value adding out of that. This area, this valley is about five farms. Five pack houses will be, works against, uh, one pack house for, for the five will be much better because we, we put our interest in, in one uh, facility. I'm part of a, of a, of a, of a good structure uh, and I think that uh, we all get the benefit out of it. You know? Today we actually harvesting <laughs> and then we're also going to do some deliveries. So we're going to deliver at Superspa, we're going to deliver to the local communities as well, like the street vendors. So it's just, we're just harvesting today. Yes, it's harvest day. So the people who are here are the people who actually work at the farm because I have seven people who are working here and, and also my family um, came to support as well. So they're also helping me to harvest. And then the other, my, the other people are at that side, they're just putting up the greenhouse. I think now we'll be, we'll be harvesting up until December on the, on the same plant that we planted from the 20th of May. We harvest after two weeks or we harvest after a week. It actually depends on how fast the spinach grows because we also harvested last week and we're harvesting again this week. The internet has played a huge role into, into my success at the moment uh, because I wouldn't be where I am today if um, people from social networks haven't supported me. I am where I am today because of their support, because if they hadn't shared my posts, um, people wouldn't have known about me and my posts wouldn't like go viral. The manager um, from Superspine, he actually saw my post on Facebook. So Superspine is all about uplifting and empowering the local community or people in the local community who would like, who have their own businesses just to give them a push. So he, he saw my, my, my post on social media and he actually said, let us give it, give it a try, supply us with the spinach. Even today, I'm still supplying the same with um, Superstore in Harare. So that is why I'm saying that the social media 
platform has actually um, boosted my business in a way that I never imagined it could be possible. I, I can't believe it. It's like I'm still dreaming because everything is happening so fast at, at the same time because it was now on the 20th of May when I planted the support that I've been getting is just so amazing. I'm supplying huge supermarkets, so just the love, just the support that I'm even getting from strangers, people who don't even know me, but some people are also telling me that I'm inspiration. So I'm just using my journey just to inspire, or maybe someone who's sitting at home who's lost hope. I'm just using my journey just to give them that hope that it is possible. You need to start with what you have and just use it to the best of your ability. You won't be making money instantly in farming, but then um, in future you will be making money. So I think that's the things that you actually need to, to, to understand and you need to be consistent in everything that you do and not be shifted from your goal. When I harvested for the first time, I only supplied 2% of, of the people who actually wanted the spinach. So I actually decided to join um, a group which is called Group 500 Investment. So they're all about empowering women in the workplace. When I actually approached them, they actually asked me what it is that you actually need. So I told them I do not have enough land to actually produce as much as I would like to, to, to produce. So now I also have a new land which is in Gordon Bay. So they, 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 they made sure that they secured that land for me. So yeah. So the first time that I saw this area, it was, it was empty. It was very empty the last time that you guys came here. Um, they've just um, put their shacks, I think it was week, um, two weeks ago or a month ago. Because here it was, it was like an, an, an empty field where there were just farmers here. But now there are people who are actually staying here. So they cut the pipe that we actually use to generate water into the farm. So there's a river, like a canal, that is continuously flowing. So we're using a generator to pump the water from the river to the generator into, into the, the tanks over here. And then we're actually using watering cans as well to actually water the whole farm. So they cut those pipes, so it's actually quite difficult for us to actually um, get the water now. I like everything about working here because I, I love plants. I've been growing up in a farm, so I've been farming since childhood, you see, up to now I've been farming. My family has got a farm. It's giving us, a, especially as the black people, the opportunity for entrepreneurship, you see. Uh, long before it was using the white people owning this old place, you see. But now it's us, small pieces, and we're gaining experience, you see. And uh, it's nice because this business is ours, not the white people always, you see. We are working on ourselves. So I'm encouraging the young people to come. Uh, there's space, a lot of spaces here which they're giving to people, um, allocating to people to start farming. Then I get a nozzle, so the cup is off. When I'm letting the heart, I get a paper, I tell. When I'm letting the heart, buckle in, eh? All right. Mooi, mooi, da. Da, we did that too, I'll have to break up. All right. 
While urban farmers like Ngumisa juggle through food production with constant setbacks, emerging farmers task their government to do more for a sustainable food chain in the country. Government is uh, supposed to play a vital role. Most of our food we export. Why? Because there's, there's where the money lies. I mean, t if you do your sums, you, you, you must export because your return on your investment is, 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 is much better than the local market. But there is fruit available for local market. Why not utilize the local market fruit where they are critically needed? Like for instance now with the coronavirus, why, why, why not? So there's where, where government can play a vital role. Say we need fruit and veg, fresh fruit and veg, in this segment, and we will pay for it. With the global supply chain stalled due to COVID-19, thus affecting exports, the country saw a lot of bumper harvests. Luckily for the South African population, this did not go to waste. From the first quarter of 2020, long queues of people receiving free food were recorded. We need to look after this plate because this register needs to go after the month. Homegrown, localized little networks called CANs mobilized farmers and distributors nationwide so they could receive bulk supplies from large-scale distributors like Ladles of Love. My name is Kanya Kongo. I am the founder of the Harari Can, which is part of Kailicha. So normally the question that I always get, like, what is CAN? So CAN stands for Community Action Network. So currently we are at Ladles of Love, which is where I get my bulk collection for the soup kitchen. I normally come here every Wednesday, every month, to get my bulk food to cook for the soup kitchen in Kailicha. What we normally do each and every morning. The initiative has attracted various volunteers across the country and from every background. They distribute ready and cooked meals to people in their communities. So the Kailicha can, it started in April as a COVID-19 response. So here, this is where we peel, peel the vegetables because we can't do it outside. It has to be outdoors so that we can get enough air. And because the space inside is so small, so we peel outside. So I started a soup kitchen that is focusing more on children because when the lockdown happened, schools were closed. Then I saw like a lot of kids that were in Kailicha in my streets. Then I thought, okay, let me do something because these kids are not going to school. So meaning they're not receiving the feeding scheme that they normally get from school. Let me bridge the gap. And that's how we started the Harari Can.
At a young age, Kanya is illuminating the faces of these little ones with her little kitchen soup. The reason why I came to help here, it's because I'm a qualified, experienced chef. I lost my job back last year in March and I don't have anything to do. Also, my kids are benefiting from this food as well as myself. And also, I want to give to the community. I can say the food is a very good food for the kids as well as the elders, but it also depends on what do we get from our sponsors. So if we've got like um, a meal meal for the porridge, so we do make the porridge in the morning for the kids, those who didn't go to school, and for the elders who's, who's always at home, hungry, even for myself because I'm always at home, sometimes I don't have food, so that's when we then make uh, breakfast for them and as well as the kind of food that we're busy with now. So we're making now vegetable curry uh, with this. Um, it's not like that difference because what I'm doing here is what I'm doing at home when I have food. So basically it's just to peel and fry and just make food for... But the difference is at home I cook for myself and my kids, but yeah, I'm cooking for the entire community. So I have to make a lot of food, make sure that everyone is covered including the elders, that they can't even come. So at times we do deliver for, for them. We do dish up and deliver in their houses. The biggest problems that we are experiencing in South Africa for people to, to access food, I think because there's just a lot of people, the, the population is just too much. Everyone wants food, food is in demand, and we don't have like ways where we could grow our own garden, get our own food. So everyone wants to access food and we just have a large population, more especially in Kailicha. There's just a huge demand of food and also people being unemployed and that makes it worse. School programs. I went to China in 2014. I went into a factory where they, where they do the rabbit meat in like small, uh, uh, small sockets with a straw in, built in straw. And that's for school programs. All the people get one and, 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 and uh, they suck it. It's part of the nutrition, part of the protein, uh, uh, you know, nutrition. Why not uh, guarantee all the peoples, at least three days a week, fresh fruit in the, in, the, in, the, in the bucket. They can assist the black farmers. Say, listen, your fruit, your, your fruit you, you sell locally. We've got programs for that fruit. So you're guaranteed of programs for that fruit at a better price than local price. But we know that produce reads the target market where we want it. But I don't, I don't see any such agreement or anything happen where fruit is being uh, secure for the target, target markets.
With a farming tradition spanning almost 5,000 years, South Africa is setting the path for the future of food production on the continent. We have a lot of innovative people in Africa. I think being creative and having innovative ideas constantly is part of success because you can't protect, you, you know, you can't fight backward. And I think uh, the young millennials coming in now is exciting to see how they bring new technology in. Whether it's urban farming, emerging and commercial farmers, passing on generational knowledge on farming skills, or utilizing modern technology, South Africa is setting the path for the future of food production on the continent. Keep renewing your mindset. You can't just stick to uh, old stalking orchard because my grandfather done stalking and my dad done well on stalking on so-called emerging farm. We can't stand on our own. Nobody, no farmer can stand on his own. Doesn't matter if it's commercial or your black or white farm. Yeah, you're part of the, of the industry, you're part of the whole farming family. So if you're not linked into that, really linked into the manufacturing side of farming, the technical side of farming, the farmers association, like farmers unions. You must be all over, you must be involved with farming. And that makes you a successful farmer, I will say. So I will say, surround you with supportive structures within the industry. And you, you can make a success, a huge success uh, within the industry. It's definitely an investment for the future, for the generations to come. And it's also found in that way and the relationships building up in the area with the people and the businesses that we do business with. It's always important that you're not farming for today and you're actually farming for the, for the younger generation. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. <laughs>